Welcome to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, episode 59. Today on the show, I have John Nelson and Mandy Macri of Elite Level Performance in Colliersville, Tennessee. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, Gym Aware, KBox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The KBox and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 59 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and we have a great episode for you today in the world of the holistic health, well-being, and performance of the athlete. Uh, For that, I cannot think of any two better people to talk to who are integrating nutrition and neurology and athletic performance than John Nelson and Mandy Macri. Uh, Just a little bit about them before I kind of get into how we met and what we're going to get into today. Uh, But John is the owner of Elite Level. I met him several years ago at the first ever track football consortium in Lombard, Illinois, uh, and have since been having great conversations with him on what we're going to talk about today. Uh, He's had a decade of experience with the field, has a master's degree in health and sports science, uh, is an NASM corrective exercise specialist and personal trainer. He's been doing some great things with athletes over the last decade. He's been heavily influenced by the training ideals of Dan Fichter, Jay Schrader. Uh, He has a lot of feedback and interaction with uh, chiropractic uh, neurologists and it's just such a fascinating field. So you're going to see that kind of come out in the questions and answers today. Uh, on his team is Mandy Macri. She's been at elite level since tw- tw- uh, 2012, after 20 years in the health and fitness, fitness industry. Uh, she has a degree in computer engineering, but is a NASM personal trainer and corrective es- exercise specialist. She has a natural health practitioner certification from Trinity School of Natural Health and is currently completing her dissertation to receive her doctor of naturopathic medicine from the same school. So uh, just a really kind of diverse, uh, well, kind of diverse, but obviously this is all the same field, the same, we're working on the same human body. And one of the most interesting things that piqued my interest in what John and Mandy were doing at Elite Level Performance was uh, John talking to me about the relationship of muscle testing to the holistic which would be nutritional, psychological, et cetera, aspects of the athlete in getting longer lasting results for muscle activation and corrective exercise. So uh, if you've, you've heard before from some of the podcasts we've done earlier, like 
it's easy. Anybody can make a, neuro, a temporary neurological change, but how do you make that stick? How do you get to the root of what's causing that and, and find lasting, longer lasting results? So uh, I've just had some great conversations with John in that regard. He's told me about what Mandy is doing. And out of that, I've kind of read the, the RBTI or the ionization of the body, which is a really cool, but at its heart, kind of simple concept. It's not overly complicated. And Mandy's going to get into that and some really practical things that you can do to assess the human body in that regards. So uh, in a nutshell today, we're talking about uh, the physical, neurological, and nutritional uh, functioning and assessment of the body and the way that John and Mandy are integrating these things and are continually updating and learning more about the human body and pushing the industry forward in, in kind of connecting all these wires with what makes us tick as athletes. So a uh, great episode, eye-opening episode. I think you guys are going to love it. Let's get to episode 59 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. All right, John, Mandy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. I appreciate yeah. you having us, Joel. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is uh, this is exciting for me because uh, I know John. I've, I've talked uh, a lot with you on uh, what you guys are doing, and and uh, I think one of the first uh, kind of big points of our discussion, and we'll get to this, was the links between the be activated points and and some things with an athlete's nutrition and in a holistic. Uh, mindset and then how Mandy was working with that. So I'm really excited for this. I think you guys are really kind of outside the box doing some great things. Uh, before I get to the questions, could you guys uh, just share your backgrounds actually real quick, just kind of how you got in the field and how you guys formed elite level performance and uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I personally started out, you know, as kind of a big box trainer and then, uh, you know, gradually branched away from that as I started, you know, bringing in new modalities, new, new therapies, new treatments, things like that. And, uh, so broke away, started elite level performance, uh, about five years ago. Um, you know, and in that I really brought in different things, uh, from a, you know, a, a neurology standpoint, uh, really specifically. And that was kind of my passion was, you know, bringing neurology into training and making training a very systematic and precise, uh, you know, you know, that, that's really what I wanted my programs to be more systematic, more precise. Um, that's kind of how I got started with things. Um, you know, Mandy, uh, Mandy joined me, uh, pretty much from the beginning and, you know, she really started into the natural health and really kind of, um, really grew it from there. I mean, we started out with some very basic stuff, and, uh, you know, once we started having success with our athletes programs and our clients programs, both from a, a treatment standpoint and a training standpoint, um, you know, her education, and natural health really, uh, really grew and, uh, and went from there. Yeah. Would you expand on that? Yeah, I've been in fitness. Well, I've been an athlete my whole life, but I, I've been in fitness for probably 13, 14 years now. And about six years ago, <clears throat> really just on my own was doing some studying and some research on you know there's got to be a better way to things and a lot, a lot of dr google a lot of books a lot of you know just following trails and then um and it was actually john that finally encouraged me to 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 seek out you know some formal education on it because i was just eating up everything i could find and and because I was, I was specifically interested more in athletic performance and human training and efficiency and, and that sort of path. Um, 
yeah, I decided to go ahead and just go for it all and, and got my doctor of naturopathy. I actually just finished that up this past spring and I go for board certification in a month. And, um, but I love that I get the opportunity to work with kids all the way up to adults and, um, now doing it, I've been practicing it for probably two or two years now. And it, the, the commonalities, the threads that I see across the board, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And the most common reaction I get from people is, you know, why doesn't anybody ever explain this to us? You know, as you're going through middle school sports, high school sports, college sports, wherever it is. Um, so that's, that's really one of the most rewarding things. And then to see them actually apply it and see the performance gains they get from putting both of these things together. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the the process a little bit and some of the the improvements you guys are finding. It it is amazing to me just how like how so many coaches can go their whole lives or athletes or I guess especially coaches cuz it's our job obviously to to find the best methods of just doing the same thing over and over again whatever your coach said or whatever the I guess the health even the health professionals say and what they say is the you know the the final answer type mentality and so in that end I really I really like what you guys are, are doing and all about there. And I, I like the Dr. Google thing too. It's, it's amazing how, <laughs> it's amazing how even just, you know, self-help has changed in the last 20 sure, years. Absolutely. Yeah. And people are seeking, I mean, they want information, they're looking for it, but there's just so much out there. So my goal is not really to just overload you with information, but to help you understand what's really going on. So you can decide for yourself what's, what's truth and what's, fat or gimmick or, and what's going to work for you because not everything's going to work for everybody. Yeah, no doubt with that. Uh, let's go into your assessment process a little bit. So an athlete comes to you day one, maybe high school athlete, uh, both from a physical and then uh, like a holistic, holistic or nutritional based side. How are you guys assessing that athlete? Sure. So, uh, you know, from the physical and, you know, kind of the, the neurological standpoint, when an athlete comes in, I mean, you know, we'll do a lot of the basic type stuff, but, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, from a basic standpoint, always take a look at TVA control, you know, we want to make sure everything's working fine there. You know, we do the basic, you know, reactive tests, you know, altitude drop test, uh, the basic ankle mobility, you know, toe activation, um, make sure, you know, proper range of motion down there in the feet, you know, some of the basic type stuff, but from a little bit a little deeper into the neurology standpoint, which is also kind of where it'll branch off into, you know, more of Mandy stuff with the, um, you know, the, the nutritional component is, you know, we take a look at gait pattern and their breathing pattern. And really, you know, that helps us kind of determine, you know, efficient motor programs that the, you know, athletes working on, um, you know, think like different, you know, different hierarchies in the brain. So we look at that, uh, we get into, um, you know, some cerebellum-based testing, see if there's any deficiencies, you know, in the part of the brain that really coordinates movement posture. Um, and then we're also starting to kind of branch off into, um, you know, looking at uh, primitives, uh, primitive reflexes. Um, we just brought another doctor on board on our staff, and so he's, you know, working with us on um, branching off into that a little bit, because that's a really, that's a big component to everything as well. Um, look at tib-fib weakness. That's really important to us, you know, making sure the tib-fib stabilize the right way and everything's communicating. Uh, and then also really from, you know, an activation standpoint is if an athlete comes in and, you know, let's say their hip extension pattern is off, for example, 
Well, it's not really so much just saying, okay, your hip extension, hip extension's off, and we're just going to do a bunch of reverse hypers or something to try to get things working. Yeah, no, it doesn't quite work that way. Like, you can sit there and try to activate different muscles, and if we're finding things that are failing or these, you know, neurolymphatic points that are failing, then that's an automatic indicator to me that, hey, from a internal standpoint, there's something going on. You know, there's, there's an inflammatory response there. You know, if your gait pattern is kind of getting all out of whack due to, you know, different stimulus, there's an internal issue there. And so from that point, I'm going to kind of find any red flags. And, uh, you know, if I see them, that's where I'm going to say, okay, you know what, you need to, you know, first things first is, you know, we need to get you an appointment set up with Mandy. And I want Mandy to test you and find out really what's going on internally. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. Cool. So, uh, what they'll do with me is um, I, I use RBTI, which is reams, and it's ionization. I look at uh, how the body processes sugar, how the body processes out electrolytes, proteins, um, and how the digestive tract is working. And a commonality that I tend to find, especially with the younger athletes, which I think John and I have been working on, correlates back to things shutting down or not firing is basically an overload of the system of too much sugar, too many electrolytes, and not being able to process out these proteins because these kids that struggle always come back high in those numbers. So from there, it's, okay, let's look at diet. Let's look at hydration. Let's look at, you know, what supplements are you taking? Um, What do you think you need? What are you taking? How do you feel? And it's just, it's working from the foundation up something as simple as drink some water and sleep and then let's, you know, try that. Okay. Now let's tweak this little bit, this little bit and, and see how the body re- you know, reacts and responds. And I can get feedback from him, you know, okay, this kid who's chronically having his, you know, glute shut off. Okay. Well now I don't ever have, you know, we don't need to activate those anymore. They're staying on. So it's for us, um, it's been a lot of trial and error and connecting some dots and, and it, it's not yet perfect, but we're seeing we've, we have enough um, time and quote unquote research under us now that we can start to connect some dots and it's not so many um, darts at a dartboard now where we've got a little bit more of a system we can follow. Yeah. Uh, and the human body is so incredibly complex. It's like the more kind of seminars I go to, the more, I'm just like, there is like so many, it's like an infinite amount of combinations and possibilities you can really start to create, especially to getting into some of the applied kinesiology type ideas. Uh, but yeah, trial and error is where it's at. And I, I'm, I know we're all, you know, we're all refining our process as we go along. It sounds like you guys are doing some really cool stuff. Uh, follow up, quick follow up, I guess, for both of you. Maybe uh, John, I'll start with you in, in that assessment. You mentioned a lot of things. Uh, I maybe wanted to pin it down. Um, sure. Just to maybe two or three, could you maybe just kind of go in detail a little bit? Two or three of the physical assessments that you really like and really gain a lot from. Uh, maybe if you could only pick a few on a certain athlete and then uh, maybe go into those and, and talk if there's any holistic links there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think two two or three of the big ones that, that I, I look at are, I definitely look at the hip extension, but I, I, look, at, I look at hip extension more as, more is not necessarily just you know a, a firing problem or a firing miscue, as much as a much deeper underlying issue. So, 
an athlete comes in and, you know, let's just say, you know, their, their sequence is off. Okay. It's not in the proper sequence. So you can do different things like, okay, you know, take a look at, you know, the hips. Okay. Are the hips, you know, overactive, underactive, is there tissue mobility issues there? Things like that. But you got to dive deeper into it. So from there, I'm going to, you know, look more like tib fib. So that'd be kind of be number two, like, the, the junction of the tib and fib is unbelievably important. And I tell every athlete when they come into to my gym, I'm straight up honest with them. Like, if you test positive for a weakness here and I don't see you doing what I need you to do to get that to heal, I'm not going to train you, period. Like, you may not understand it, and if you don't, that's fine. I'll help you with that. But if you're not doing what I tell you to do, you're gone. And that's because, one, a weakness there is going to cause a significant amount of dysfunction and miscommunication in the nervous system. The, the brain is not going to be able to understand and communicate with the body the way that it needs to if there's dysfunction down in that joint. And so like when you look at something like hip extension, it's not that, that your glute isn't firing before your hamstring as much as it's, okay, you know what? You tweaked your ankle six years ago and that ligament never actually healed the right way. So those receptors can't send and receive the information. So subsequently your big toe locks down and it's not firing, which is subsequently going to shut down L4, L5 nerves, C6, C7 nerves. And boom, there you go. The chain has started to occur. And so if I had to pick a couple things I really pay close attention to, that's a big one. That's a really big one for me. Yeah, hip extension. Uh, what uh, Chris Corpus talks about the uh, speed football, the the hips and the sure. feet, uh, the hips and the feet. So uh, with the tip fib, you're talking about the lower, the lower where they insert in the talus or they form the joint with the talus uh, more so. Yeah. Than the so upper there's section. so there's no muscle that directly connects those two bones together down there. So what happens is the ligament that holds it together can kind of get stretched out, and when that occurs, there's going to be a little bit of movement down there in the joint. But I equate it more to this: like you think about putting your hand on a hot stove, right? Like your brain gets that information, you know, that information travels up your arm to your brain. Your brain interprets it, says hot stove, sends a signal back down, tells your hand to move, right? If that joint's weak, that communication process isn't happening the right way. And it takes a split second for things to downregulate. And when that happens, it's just a chain of events afterwards that'll, that'll take place. And you know, that can go all the way into hip extension, into activation, into like the big toe, ankle mobility, you know, and personally, I think it goes even much deeper. I, I can't prove it, but I do think it goes a whole heck of a lot deeper into what's going on internally as well. I mean, you know, if your body cannot send and receive the information the right way, it's going to start to compensate itself, especially if you're an athlete. You know, we got to remember the muscles, as far as hierarchy, they're really low like really low. So if you can't even do basic information processing, think about, and, and you're trying to run a, you know, a hundred meter dash, you know, at a high level, think about what's going to happen internally. Your body's going to start pulling away from the other processes that it needs to, you know, to focus on like digestion, blood flow, liver, kidney regulation, heart regulation, managing salt, sugars, all that good stuff. And so that's kind of where I tie it all in with the stuff that, you know, that Mandy does as well. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I, what specific like kind of tests are you using for that joint? I mean, and this totally makes sense. Like there's so much force going through that specific joint. And if there's something wrong there, uh, the reflexes and, and everything associated with it, it can't, uh, and, and the way the foot works upstream and the way the, the map sensation of the foot and the, the tension of the foot maps upstream, 
what are some ways that you uh, like? What's like, or what is the way you test? It might be hard to explain it uh, on audio, but what, how do you how do you test that? What are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be a little bit difficult to explain on audio, but I mean, basically using applied kinesiology, you know, manual muscle testing, pending that everything is firing correctly first. So if there is some imbalances and in, in, in firing patterns, I'm going to get that working the right way to make sure we get an accurate reading. But then it's just a matter of, of stressing that joint and applying a certain amount of stimulus that we want to apply to see when and if that joint fails. Um, you know, and that's like I said, that's just a simple stressing the joint then, you know, redoing the muscle testing for the corresponding muscle that we're looking to and seeing if it fails. And then if it is, you know, finding out what it is we need to do to get that thing to heal. Sure. So like testing the anterior tib and then like putting stress, like doing like a jumping type thing, uh, or how are you putting stress? How are you stressing that? Joint? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it more manually myself. So like I'll actually stress the joint, you know, myself, you know, with, uh, you know, just some basic, you know, impact to the heel yeah, yeah. and then a little bit of press on the tib fib itself and reapplying uh, the muscle testing and, and you know looking for a positive or negative test okay cool that makes that makes good sense I, I could see yeah man, the manual like heel push type type and the manual mobilizations yeah. <laughs> yeah. testing muscles cool well, that's that's cool man I, I love I love it the hip the ankle good stuff uh, Mandy I want to circle back to you uh, and then in keeping this to like uh, the holistic process I, I obviously don't want to get too far either way at least at one point in time uh, you mentioned uh, overload on electrolytes and sugar so I guess uh, in a quick sense uh, what's your like gator so like Gatorade I'm assuming there's not Gatorade at your facility or limited quantities uh, no <laughs> yeah not so much <laughs> in fact um, none of our kids well they know that Gatorade is not the best choice um, I always give out optional recipes better alternatives. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not rocket science, it's diet. You know, you talk to any of these kids and uh, peanut butter crackers and goldfish and Cheetos and Mountain Dew and, you know, and it's, and, you know, the only water they get is what they brush their teeth with in the morning. <laughs> and then they want to know why they're tired and they're falling asleep and they're not recovering. And, oh, practice was so hard, I can't move today. So again, it comes back just the key is education. And I don't, you know, I don't blame them. They just, you know, to some point I expect you to probably know that Mountain Dew is not the best choice. But at the same time, you know, if they know why it's not good and if they, what I love about RBTI it is hard numbers and it's a graph and it's a chart. And I can say, look where you are and look where you're supposed to be. I can show them an efficiency rating, like your body is operating at 15%. Do you think that you could feel a little bit better if we could get you here to, you know, 85% just by getting you off the, you know, the Cokes and the Starbucks. So it's, it's when they can see that on paper and they're like, man, I didn't even know. That's a little bit more motivation to put the Gatorade down and pick up the water bottle and, you know, go to bed at a decent hour. So yeah, having those, having those numbers helps. Agreed. Uh, could you, uh, before we get any further too, in case we kind of come back to it, could you maybe give the, the three minute version of the RBT, uh, RBTI, if that's possible, if it's possible to give a three minute, uh, yeah, well, I'll try. Okay. So RBTI stands for Reams Biological Theory of Ionization. And that's just a long, fancy way for energy in versus energy out. So I take a small urine sample and a small saliva sample, and I'm using 
very basic instruments to give me a reading to see where your sugars are, where your electrolytes are, um, how your body processes protein, both in, you know, assimilating it in and your kidneys filtering it out. Um, and then I look at your body's pH. pH is kind of a big buzzword right now, but really all I look, pH to me is chemistry and it's resistance and it's speed and it's how fast things are going through your digestive tract. Too fast and it can't be absorbed, you're losing out on minerals. Too slow and it sits around and becomes toxic sludge and creates a whole nother host of issues. So it's really those four main things. And I, you know, based on Dr. Reams, he figured out, okay, well, if your sugar is at this number or in this range and your pH is in this range and your salts are in this range, you're good to go. And your body is in a good place where it can draw in all the minerals it needs and it can eliminate what it doesn't. And that is optimal energy in, energy out. Any imbalance in that and it's, you're not recovering, you're not sleeping, and you're creating an environment where your body's having to work too hard. And how that relates back to performance and athletics is, okay, well now you can't apply that energy towards your sport or towards getting better physically. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, that was great. I think that was a great, that might have been right three minutes, so perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing, it's amazing, too, how many like times in coaching situations, or even in nutrition, it's like people don't come full circle with what's holding people back it's like oh it must be this or that and 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 looking deeper and kind of having numbers for it too i mean especially in the world of like nutrition where there's so many opinions it's nice to have something that's a number for sure exactly uh okay so let's get to uh, like common deficiencies that you guys see and i'll, I'll start with you uh maybe uh john maybe more on the physical side uh and again i uh, obviously there's there's so many different like in across the individual spectrum of athletes uh you see a lot uh but uh, and maybe, and especially too, I think, and maybe Mandy, you mentioned it, like the 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 way the current generation kind of, uh, and the nutritional industry and everything that people are kind of eating. But uh, John, obviously, the the you know lack of play these days that that kids are getting, and and how that works in. But in terms of common deficiencies, uh, what are uh, physically speaking, uh, what are some of the things you're seeing in the majority of your athletes that also maybe relate to some of those common tests that you uh, like doing. So John, I'll start with you there on the, the physical side. Sure. Um, so I'd say some of the common deficiencies I see, um, you know, as simple as it may seem is you know, breathing pattern. You know, I mean, people don't know how to breathe anymore. And, you know, I always, you know, joke about it and laugh with people that it seems like it's something so simple, but you stop breathing and well, you're dead. So, you know, it's kind of important. Um, you know, but I think from a breathing standpoint is it's it's not as much like activating the diaphragm to get them to breathe correctly as much as it is, okay, what's throwing that pattern off? So, you know, that's where I dive deeper into, you know, like their gait patterns. So, you know, different motor program, the brain works in different hierarchies of programs and it's all about kind of what the body needs at that time. So that can be throwing their breathing patterns off. Um, they could be overly, you know, sympathetic. Uh, you know, sympathetic parasympathetic dominance, and you know, why are they overly sympathetic? Well, it could be, you know, their football coach, you know, is putting them in a lactic state for a sport that's not even lactic. Uh, but you know, that's that could be throwing them in a sympathetic state, so that could be throwing off their breathing pattern internally from Mandy's standpoint. 
Their pH, their bio-terrain could be off, throwing them in a sympathetic state, throwing off their breathing pattern. That's a pretty common thing I see. Uh, we talked about uh, you know, tib-fibs. Uh, I see a lot of tib-fib weakness, and again, that can be physical or it can be nutritional. Um, you know, it could also be a compensation or protective mechanism. I mean, um, you know, you can see kids that make really good, you know, really impressive gains in a short amount of time, and the brain says, hey, whoa, slow down and lays down another compensation pattern. You've got to come back and correct that compensation pattern. So you see that quite a bit. Um, hip extension, you know, is, a, is another big deficiency I see as well. Um, again, and it's not so much about just trying to correct the muscle sequencing as much as it's kind of diving in and finding out where that dysfunction is actually coming from. But again, I say these are physical, but it's all neurological. Like the brain is making the body do that for some reason. And that is really, you know, I'm, I'm, I really, really try to dive into why the brain is causing the body to produce these compensations or protective mechanisms, whether it's, you know, cerebellum dysfunction, primitive reflexes being present, um, you know, the brain wanting to shut down the elastic component to the body. Um, you know, there's a, uh, you know, it's just trying to piece together a puzzle. Yeah. I, uh, I like how you always, uh, John are like kind of going deeper beyond just the muscle test. Like, uh, and one of the books I, I have called Bent Out of Shape kind of talks about like the, the posture that kind of develops out of particular mental states. And I think Douglas Heal uh, in my level two had mentioned like it, there was, it was a study that showed that people in um, uh, I think it was in a psych ward or something along the lines. But people that did like glute exercises like reported increased mood or something like that. Like they felt like a greater yeah. sense of power <laughs> personally. Like <laughs> relationship with like yeah, glutes. Yeah, I wish I had my notes in front of me. I don't want to butcher it exactly, but there is like a relationship between strength of particular like muscle groups and, and yeah. what manifests itself. And so, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, and not to go off on a tangent at, at all, but, uh, you know, which I'm, I'm very good at, but <laughs> like, let's just say the glutes aren't, you know, and that's the, you know, the catch thing. Oh, your glutes aren't firing and, you know, but let's just say the glutes aren't as strong as they should be. Okay, well, you could say that, you know, the hips are overactive, causing the glutes to downregulate. Okay, possibly, sure. But, you know, it's also, we've done it multiple times where there's actually trapped emotions inside a person, you know, an athlete. Like, your body's very inefficient at, you know, processing negative emotions. And so when that happens, those emotions are going to come in, and they're going to mess with those neurolymphatic junction points. They're going to mess with those myofascial meridian lines it's going to shut things down so i mean we've seen things like hip extension patterns correct themselves just by eliminating certain negative emotions that correlate to those areas of the body so it's it's always more than just physical so you know i think just getting the physical component is a lot of times a cop out and it's the easy way out when you're not really addressing the true origin of the situation neurological emotional spiritual psychological there's a number of different elements there yeah, I, I think, I don't know if we had talked about this too, but I know I when I went to level two with Douglas after going to the Beactivate level one, the one muscle group uh, that seemed like, it was like no matter what I did, if the person was in like a bad mood or just seemed like a particular mental state, it would never act. It was the psoas group. Like I could. Oh, yeah. And so, and that was the questions I was asking a lot at that, that level two. And this, you know, what you were just talking about, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. And, yeah. The muscle of the soul. So as is the muscle of the soul. And hey, and not to not to take any away from Douglas. He, I, I have never met Doug Douglas. You know, um, uh, you know, he's brilliant. I mean, what he's done, with is brilliant. What you know, Cal Dietz and, and Chris Corfus are doing is, is great. I mean, there's, you know, it's fantastic. It's always just about pushing the envelope, envelope, and you know, 
continuing to find, you know, other, other underlying factors that are, you know, kind of affecting things, you know, especially something as subjective as, you know, as, as applied kinesiology or manual muscle testing when you're literally just affecting the final common pathway. Like you're affecting the very end of things, you know, there are so many more levels deeper than that. Yeah, agreed. I, I, it maybe hit the hardest tone to me when I found through a, the course of a training year, a couple of athletes I had found their psoas, you know, to test weak. Uh, and then later without doing any interventions whatsoever, they were just, I, I tested them again where they were like training well, they were happy, they were in a good place and boom, you know, strong. <laughs> like I didn't do anything. You guys are just in a good place and you guys are, and it's yep. kind of reflective in a way it's almost reflective of the whole system. So uh, yeah, right on. I, I totally agree with that. I think it's, uh, you know, but then, you know, but it, it, it's some other physical things like, you know, we talk about like tip fib weakness. Okay. If there's, you know, like if somebody's got loose ligaments, for example. Okay. So kid comes into me and he's like, okay, you know, I had a knee issue here and a back issue here and, but I'm, I'm good now. Right. You know, but okay. So the test positive for a tip fib. And so this is how it ties into me. The physical and neurological ties into the nutritionalist. Okay. That tip fib is weak, okay? It's weak for a reason. We're, we're attacking that from another perspective. But you know what? They also drink, you know, they also consume dairy on a regular basis. You know, or, you know, and, and I always get into this. Oh, what do you drink during the day? Oh, I drink water. Okay, great, great. Do you drink it out of plastic water bottles? Yeah, yeah, I do all the time. Yeah? Do they sit in your car? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, in between class, I'll go to my car and get my water. Okay, yeah. That BPA is seeping into that water and you know what happens is the BPA causes estrogen levels to rise which will cause laxity in your ligaments which is going to cause that tib fib or that SI or some other ligament to be extremely lax and that is going to make the healing process go that much more slowly which is going to cause you know a whole cascade of other events to occur and so that's where in a situation like that, if I can, if I can kind of dive that deep in assessment, okay, boom, you're drinking dairy. All right. You're, you know, you don't use organic shampoos, you know, or soaps, you know, you, you know, you're drinking out plastic water bottles. There's an obvious estrogen, something going on in your body where there's too much in there. We need to get Mandy to take a look and see what's going on internally to help your body process that more so that it can heal everything and get everything working the right way and you can gain that much more out of your performance. Yeah, that's it's all really good stuff. And uh, yeah, the, what you said there is the exact uh, or one of the big reasons that I wanted to bring you guys on because I think it's stuff that uh, I mean, it's probably like questions. Everyone who's done like the muscle testing at probably at some point has maybe run across these things. But I think what you guys are doing is is really great and kind of coming full circle, uh, Mandy. So let's uh, let's get to you with the deficiencies. I knew you had mentioned a little bit of you know over sugar loaded, uh, the proteins and digestion. That's like that's fascinating stuff to me and the gut and all that. Could you maybe speak on some of the deficiencies athletes are having in the realms of proteins and the way they are digesting things? Um. So <laughs> I would say maybe the number one question athletes probably will ask any trainer they're working with is you know how much protein should I be eating and the protein powders and the protein this and the protein that, and don't get me wrong, protein is extremely important, but it is also the hardest thing for your body to break down. So just because you're eating it, and this is what they have a hard time understanding, is just because you're eating it doesn't mean it's making it into your body to do any good. And then to add another layer to that, protein's gotta get out. Which is where your body's going to come in, and if it can't assimilate it the right way, it's going to compensate somewhere. 
And that compensation <laughs> is going to show up somewhere else in the body. Yep. So I talked to them about, okay, just because you chew, swallow, and something comes out the other end doesn't mean that all was good in the middle, in protein especially. So, I, you know, I can see, hey, you know, you've got too much protein buildup. I can say, I can see if your kidneys are excreting it out. And if they're not, if that's really high, um, you know, I never like to scare parents and kids, but it is an important issue. We hear about these kids every year, you know, dropping dead on a football field or on a baseball field for no reason, you know, never had a history of heart problems, never this, never that. Well, I can look at your numbers and, and Dr. Reams talks about there is actually a threshold. If your salts are above a certain number, if your proteins are above a certain normal number, your blood consistency becomes thick and sticky and your heart just can't pump it. So when, when I'm trying to really drill it into these kids, how important it is to, you know, to balance things out, to make sure everything's working. Um, that's kind of the, one of the examples that I use, but you know, we talk about, I go into a lot of enzyme therapy too, um, understanding the role of enzymes and how they pro you know, break down your food and a simple enzyme deficiency might be the only thing standing in your way between making the gains you want to make and, you know, and staying exactly where you are. Uh, we talk about the immune system. I go over this with the parents and it starts in the gut and so many kids have been on antibiotics their whole childhood. They have absolutely no gut bacteria and, and, and it's just taking the very basic building blocks of what makes you healthy. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. So, Mandy, uh, so you mentioned proteins, and that's something people are all so okay. familiar with, the world of proteins. And, and uh, right. so, you know, maybe I'm an athlete. I come to you. Hey, I, I take, uh, I don't know, my coach said take whey protein, you know, three times a week or something. Right. And, and I do that, and, you know, I have the standard kid diet. Like, what are some, what are some things you're telling me <laughs> regarding the protein and, and, um, and maybe some implications there? Okay, so usually I, you know, protein type is really going to be up to the person. You know, I'm whatever you seem to do better with, I say stick with that. So I don't so much go into type unless, um, unless we have known issues. Like I, you know, we talk about, you know, mom tells me, okay, well he, he, you know, he can't really drink milk and do cheese, but I'm giving him whey protein. So they don't understand that it's, it's kind of the same thing. So again, comes back to education. But when it comes to the, the protein specifically, what's great about having that number in front of me is, Here's a kid who can't gain weight or he's trying to put on weight. So coach tells him you need, you know, you know, start eating your protein. And, um, you know, I do, I just, I do basic basal metabolic rate to help see for them to see where they need to be protein wise. And I don't really get any more in depth than that. But if this kid is barely eating any protein and I see a number that shows an overload of protein in a system, the last thing I'm going to do is tell this kid to go eat more protein. And without that number, he would never have known that. So we work on why. We work on, okay, are you digesting things? Do we need to maybe add a little HCL to get your stomach acid going? Do we need to maybe add a, an enzyme to help you break things down? How's your elimination? So we work those factors first because there's no sense in, you know, pumping this kid with more protein if his body can't handle it. 
Likewise, if I know this kid's eating 200 grams of protein a day, yet his body is not showing any in his system, okay, well, you've got an issue there too. So why not? So that's how we dig a little bit deeper. And typically it comes down to digestion, enzymes, and, and you know, quality of protein. And, and there's a couple different mineral deficiencies that could also affect it, but usually it's, those are the main two that I work on and, and see the most improvement with. Sure. Yeah, I know uh, when I was looking through the Reams book a little bit, um, to the best of my ability there, uh, I know he was saying something about lemon juice. You know, lemon is anionic, and, and I mean, right. a lot of people are talking about that now. So, I mean, is that, is, is that just generally a pretty good thing? Are there, is there any athlete that might not be a good thing to have, like, big glass lemon juice before your meal, or is that usually pretty can't go wrong with that, that type of um, there There's a time and place where it's so, say, you know, being that, like you said, lemon is very anionic and which or alkaline, or it slows things down. Um, so if I'm looking at somebody and his pH is slow to begin with, he probably wouldn't do well on that. It's going to make him feel worse. Hmm. Um, vitamin C is the great alternative to, you know, those are my two ways um, other than using various types of calciums. If, I gotta, if I've got to um, slow things down, Lemon water is perfect. If I've got to speed things up, vitamin C is usually my go-to. So that's how I kind of will play with pH with that. Um, most of the standard American diet is going to push you too acidic or too fast. Hmm. Things are going to be going through the system too fast for good absorption. So that's where the, the lemon water, if you're going to throw a dart, that's probably the way to go. Um, <laughs> just unless you're just one of those, you know, you eat your veggies every day and you know, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, we work the, the pH thing. Cool. A lot of dart throwing and nutrition, I guess these days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it can be, but that's where, that's where Reams comes into play. There's, there, there's a lot less dart throwing when, yeah. uh, when you know exactly what's going on in the body. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, John, and, and so kind of taking that theme, just to knowing what's going on, getting back to you, getting back to, uh, one of the first things you mentioned to me that just really started me on this, I, the I, idea of uh, what you're doing and, and getting starting to get more knowledgeable about the links between muscle testing and the body. But you had mentioned, uh, and I mentioned at the beginning, the links between some of the tests, the manual muscle tests and be activated and some of what you guys are seeing in the RBTI in terms of deficiencies. Uh, we already talked about, I guess, the mental side a little bit or sympathetic, parasympathetic side. Could you go into a little bit about the uh, what you're seeing, and just some some main muscle tests people are familiar with, so you know, glute, psoas, lower leg, uh, maybe lats, things like that, or or the neurolymphatic points associated with it, and some of the deficiencies that you're seeing with those athletes. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, yeah, like you said, you know, one of the you know one of the really common muscle you know tests that fails is the psoas, and you know you. There, we still have a lot of work to do in finding out specifically if, you know, a person is chronically, you know, de you know they're not activated in their psoas or their glutes, for example. You know, I know that's like energy zone one, okay? If they're chronically not activated there, then yeah, there's something internally going wrong. We do, we still have some work in trying to pinpoint exactly what that is. We've kind of got a broad scope of, of saying, okay, the pH levels are off here, 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 and here, okay? But we haven't specifically been able to pinpoint just yet exactly what that is, and that's just going to take some time because this is something that, you know, we're still continuing to work on. Um, you know, but there's there's going to be, 
obvious dysfunction in the pH balance when somebody chronically tests weak with something. Um, you know, that is, that's an area we're continuing to work on. Um, you know, I'm also finding it, you know, in the emotional side of it as well. You know, the way that the emotions are affecting the specific organs. Um, I'll use myself as an example here. So, you know, my, my psoas will test weak on a regular basis. Now, I'll preface that by saying I have no L2 transverse process. That's a long, that's kind of how I got into all this 10 years ago. But so you can contribute some of that to it. But hypothetically, my liver struggles a little bit just based on some previous health history, you know. Um, so what happens with me is we will see that my psoas tests weak chronically. My liver, the pH numbers are also elevated. So we can work to bring those numbers down through reams testing, which is good. I mean, it's fine. We're making progress, but we'll see a significant change just by attacking the specific emotions that are tied into the liver and gallbladder that affect that meridian and also cross that neurolymphatic junction point as well. And so it's, it's always taking a look and saying, okay, is it, is it going to be an imbalance in the pH or, you know, is there an emotion tied to it that's causing that muscle not to be at, be activated, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Okay. So like in my case, for example, if I find an emotion that's tied into it that my body has to release, boom, let that emotion go. My pH is going to change instantly. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen it happen on multiple occurrences. My yep. pH will drop. I mean, you know what? I mean, a half a point almost, I mean, within yeah. a matter of minutes Within minutes, and then everything, all of a sudden energy zone one, for example, is all of a sudden going to start firing again. Cool. Does how that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no doubt. Uh, how are you guys measuring pH? I mean, is that a uh, pH paper? Just pH. Yes. Little $9 roll of pH paper. Nine, oh, yep. nice. <laughs> Saliva and urine test. Saliva and urine. Yeah. Now, and like I said, pH is kind of a big buzzword because it, it, in the actual health world it is. And it gets often confused with blood pH. When you talk about acidosis, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking strictly at digestion. Um, different areas of your body have different pH levels. So I am just looking at urine and saliva. Urine is a good, it gives you um, a very good idea of what your body's getting rid of. Your saliva, because of the enzymes that it contains, gives you information on your liver. Dr. Rings figured out how that all tied into digestion and, and that um, to know what I'm looking at when I get my readings. But that's it. Simple pH paper. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. It, yeah, I, I've kind of figured I, I as soon as I asked, I was like, it's got to be something pretty simple. And I'm just like making it really <laughs> complicated. I'm just trying to think of like. And maybe we could, I'll probably at the end, maybe we can talk about how people can learn a little bit more about the RBTI and things like that. I mean, all, sure. all I have is all I have is the book and, and just the concepts are interesting to me. I think a lot of people and coaches are probably going to just have maybe a basic knowledge of it to benefit. Sure, absolutely. Um, but I was going to ask, okay, so uh, my last question here is uh, how do you guys, so, uh, and maybe John specifically with the training of the athletes at the gym, uh, how much time do they spend training with you versus maybe doing some other more holistic related things? Uh, how does a kind of a training with you break down in terms of how you're spending your time with your athletes? Uh, as far as how like my training system, how I approach my training system. 
Oh yeah, Is let's that... maybe say like how much time how much time you do with like muscle testing, activation, things like that. How much time doing uh, maybe standard physical, you know, standard physical stuff, isometrics, reactive stuff, plyos, you know, those types of things. And how much uh, how does like that break down? And then are you doing or basically how does the treatment stuff or how much time are you doing the treatment and how much time are you doing the training type modalities? Sure. So if an athlete comes into me first thing and you know, they're really they're really out of whack and there's a lot of things I got to get activated and a lot of stuff I got to get in there and correct. Then, you know, we'll, I'll see them on a regular basis, uh, you know, before their training sessions to get everything realigned, um, you know, until they finally are in balance and things are working the right way. Um, and that is something that, you know, now that, you know, we have brought on Dr. Mark, he's now part of our team, um, you know, who you'll, you'll, you'll get a chance to meet when you, know, you come in town. Um, that's something he's going to be taking over simply because I just, I can't manage it all on my own anymore. So, um, that's going to be something that's going to be happening a lot more frequently. Um, as far as, you know, regularly checking guys and, and things like that, uh, it all depends on kind of their state. So, you know, I put a lot of emphasis in my training program on knowing, knowing what you feel in your body. Uh, you know, if you don't know how your body's how, you, how, how your body's feeling, you have no business participating in athletics. I don't care if you're in high school or, you know, you're one of my professional or, you know, Olympic guys. I mean, period. Like, if you can't figure it out, you, you need to know what your body's feeling. So that's kind of how I monitor that. Uh, as far as how it's all placed in with my programming, um, you know, I've told you before, I kind of do a reverse triphasic model. Um, you know, I'm a fan of, of Cal Dietz's triphasic model. I just tend to flip flop things cause I'm more of a believer and, you know, position comes before anything. So, you know, we will spend a lot of time focusing on extreme isometrics, proper energy supply, um, proper body position. You know, this whole story with Noah Syndergaard coming out this past week, I mean, you know, I'm sure most of us know where he trained and, you know, we know all, it's a, we all know it's a good place, but again, it's all about human movement, teaching the body how to move efficiently. And if a kid doesn't move efficiently, it's going to show up in an activation, not the other way around. You've got to be able to get the kid to move efficiently to get things activated. Don't activate and expect the movement to change. That's not the right way to go about it. So we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, you know, I kind of break things down to kind of a big nine-week cycle with, you know, three specific uh you know three week phases just like kind of the triphasic model with a little bit more of a conjugate twist to it um, where we kind of mix in max effort dynamic effort um, fluctuating between frictional elastic strength depending on what it is i'm trying to um attack and kind of in between those phases is where i'll spend a little bit more time emphasizing some more of the testing um you know after we finish a phase we're going to see where the athlete is you know from a neurologic neurological standpoint a pH standpoint and know how to properly modify and progress them accordingly. That's, that's really cool. I like that assessment between phases. So cool to me. I like, uh, everything you're saying too. It's kind of interesting with the whole like activation thing and you look what Jay Schrader's do with the isometrics and position it. And I like how you, it's kind of like, yeah, the position comes first and, and, um, yeah, just moving, just moving lousy or like uh, what I've kind of uh, done with it or learned through neurokinetic therapy, like an athlete who is doing a dysfunctional squat is going to be turning muscles off whenever they're dysfunctionally squatting. Like you can yeah, test them absolutely. strong and yeah, and then they do their, their crappy squat and then you test them it's again. Like, it's like Dan Fichter talks about, you know, I mean, you know, Dan and I go way back, like teach the beginning and the end range of the movement. The, the, the brain's going to take care of the rest. Like it's going to take care of the middle portion, you know, so if you're working through that middle phase and the and the athlete can't move properly, 
you're going to start to develop compensations, which is going to lead to submaximal performance. Absolutely. So spend a lot of time focusing on position, being able to pull into position the right way, activate the proper muscles. I love it, man. That's, that's really cool stuff. I love it. Uh, so yeah, last thing, just people who might be, you know, for these concepts on pH, uh, so how can they learn more about maybe the RBTI, but, and then maybe other, like maybe some, is there really any simple ways to just, uh, outside of maybe going and getting like, you know, certified or, or, or whatever, is there like just real simple take homes that people can kind of, uh, at least be aware of in their, in their day, day to day with training? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can. I mean, you can find anything on the internet these days, but so there's a lot of information out there about uh, Dr. Reams. Um, Andrew Bedeau has done a lot of research on his work and he's put out a lot of books. Great stuff. It's even got some really great, um, anybody can read it and start applying it. Um, so I like his work a lot. Um, simple. I would say go out and buy your pH paper, but you got to know what you're reading. So like I said, Bodeau's books are really good for helping you understand what you're seeing when you get your, when you get your readings. Really of the, all the things that Reams does, pH is the most important. Always start there. You know, and, and as a, as a, to tack on to that, you know, this is something that we are, you know, we're going to be moving towards a little bit more as far as trying to push some of that knowledge out, you know, um, you know, so we do have ideas like, you know, putting together different little mini video clips or, you know, little mini articles, things like that about how, how we can help, you know, other athletes, other coaches learn how to do this the right way without having to, you know, go through a full schooling process, you know, a, you know, four year program, things like that, just to try to help get some of that information out there. So some of that information we're working on and put some of those resources together for people that's great that's something we're working on uh, bringing to the forefront yep wonderful uh so where can people uh people who want to follow you on social media or or instagram or twitter or whatever what where yeah do they go? sure so we're on uh pretty much everything uh you know like bill belichick uh, said you know <laughs> a chap face or whatever it's called no we're on uh facebook twitter uh instagram snapchat uh elite level performance um, we are, uh, yeah, we're on all four of those major platforms. Uh, Twitter is EL performance one, all the other, uh, social media outlets are just elite level performance. Um, you know, we put, uh, we kind of, sh we share everything as far as, you know, the nutritional and the training component on all our platforms. So, mm -hmm. uh, we can pretty much integrate all of it together. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. Hey, I look forward to seeing you pretty soon here. And uh, Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll have to test you. <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm beyond stoked. I'm excited. Uh, so, yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. I appreciate well, you having thank us. Thank you. Show. Thanks, man. That does it for episode 59 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us this week. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, I hope that you were inspired by that one to, to learn about some new ideas and directions in where athletic performance is going. And honestly, uh, just the, the whole uh, health and nutrition side of thing has become so much more important to me as I've kind of gotten out of my 20s and into my 30s. 
as well as just what you see out of athletes uh, as a whole and how quick athletes are to grab you know the sugar cubes and the sugar drinks that say sports performance on them uh it, it's just so interesting to me and fascinating and and i think that john and mandy are doing some great things to push us forward as an industry so um anyways uh, please leave us a rating review if you like the show uh don't forget to visit our sponsor simplyfaster.com suppliers of high-end training technology 1080 sprint free lap timing system kbox gym aware lots of great stuff i've used a lot of what they have to offer and it's all first class Christopher does such a good job of taking the best of the industry and putting it all in one place. So check them out. Uh, We'll see you guys next week with another great guest. Have a great week.